There's no single statistic that more accurately defines the season to date than the one that also happens to be by far the most confounding. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this, and I hope you'll check those out as well. Penguins versus Flyers tonight at Philadelphia. That's a 7.08 p.m. faceoff at Wells Fargo Center. And it would behoove the visitors to try to figure out other ways to score the hockey puck. Because, my goodness, do they have trouble doing that at times, even when they check off every other box on the list of how to score a hockey puck. I'm referring, of course, to the Saturday game in the 2-1 to home loss to the Sabres in which the Penguins generated just about everything that it's humanly possible to generate with the exception of goals. There was, of course, the Ricard Raquel goal on a five-on-three, a clean five-on-three, two full minutes of five-on-three. Off a wonderful pass from Eric Carlson, it was a totally unstoppable play, and it was going to take something like that to get pucks behind Uko Pekalekinen. And the wildest part is, it really wasn't about the goaltending. This wasn't one of those that was stolen from you. I mean, Lekinen was good. But he's, you know, he's not that good in general. And besides, it's not as if the problem is new. It's not as if the exasperation, and that's probably the best word for it, that was shared by Mike Sullivan and a few of the players at PPG Paints Arena afterward, was new. They've experienced this thing time and time again over this season. In fact, my guess is that In your case, talking about you here, you were watching that game in the first period. You probably had a pretty good idea it was going to be one of those, didn't you? Or you could just tell nothing was going in. Nothing was getting finished. So here's that stat. Their shooting percentage, their team shooting percentage is 9.1. It's 25th in the NHL. If there is one trait that you would feel that this... Older, more experienced, and extraordinarily talented and accomplished roster would have in spades, it would be the ability to score the hockey puck. It's the last step, and it's the one that most of them have been doing at a globally elite level since childhood, since infancy. I mean, these guys get started at like three, four years old. And forever and ever and ever and ever, they've been able to score the hockey puck. And now, for whatever reason, they all fall into this team-wide coma as to how to do that. They'll bang it off posts. They'll get all kinds of, say it with me, good looks. They'll all talk about the good looks afterward which would be fine if they were vying for a spot on the cover of GQ. And it would also be fine if it only happened 
once in a great while. Because that sort of thing can happen to any team, almost any team. It happens to this one to the extent where you say, is there something that's collectively missing here? The easy first thing to point to anytime a team is getting all kinds of good looks and can't finish is that, well, you need a Patrick Hornquist in front of that. You need to start getting some ugly goals. You need to just get the puck. Well, they did all that. They did all that Saturday night and still didn't finish. They did all that and and still couldn't capitalize on a perpetually mediocre goaltender and a perpetually deficient defensive team in Buffalo. And I'm going to be honest with you here. And I don't like to do this because I, I like to, I, I'd like to apply my own years of having watched and covered this sport and come up with some kind of proposed solution or suggestion or even just a vague theory as to why it could be happening. But I'm going to instead share with you this episode, something that you couldn't possibly hear somewhere else. And that is that I have no clue why this is happening. None whatsoever. And I don't even apologize for it because it doesn't make any sense to me because I watch these guys in practice and their finishing skills are unbelievable. The things that they can do with the puck, some of them are outright magical. And yet these games will happen. And I will think to myself as these games are happening, well, that's it. That's it. Everyone was right. They're getting old. That's it. That's exactly what we're looking at here. They're getting old. You've heard for years and years and years through hockey history that the first thing to go are the hands. Even players who will continue skating well and continue uh, maintaining a certain level of conditioning and keeping up with the play, the first thing to go are the hands. We saw that with Chris Kunitz. Just as a recent example, someone who's been able to score goals a lot of different ways, including chiefly in ugly ways. When he first arrived to Pittsburgh from Anaheim, that was his thing. He was Hornquist before Hornquist got here. Just couldn't score. Just the hands were just gone. And maybe that's some of what you're seeing. But then you know what else? Then I look at who are the players on this team who are in their mid-30s and up, and I look at their goal totals, they're doing really, really well. So even that doesn't make sense. Who would say, for instance, that this trait has anything to do with the kind of season that specifically just Sidney Crosby is having? Wouldn't add up. Sid's finishing. Sid's finishing at a really high rate. This team just doesn't do that for really strange stretches of time and for reasons that I can't understand. So you're welcome for all that insight when we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Brian who says, DK, regarding your Mario Lemieux segment last week, yikes. Don't think for a minute that Sidney Crosby isn't paying attention, right? I'd hate to think that this would influence his post-playing career decisions. Yeah, I hadn't even really thought of that. Honestly, Brian, 
I thought as soon as you mentioned Sid, my reflex was that you were going to refer to whether or not Sid would, you know, sign another contract here or finish his career. Of course he will. Of course he will. He's been at this for a long, long time. He's not going to base what he does as an established adult in every way in his own right on anything that would have to do with Mario. However, however, if you're looking at just Fenway Sports Group and whatever you perceive their role to be in this, whether you feel that they're right or wrong, or even if you really don't care what they do with 66, you would have to think long and hard about how they're going to handle some of these guys when they're older and it's their time to come back and be part of ceremonies celebrating their achievements, whether it's as individuals, whether it's for statues or numbers being raised to the roof or anniversaries of championships and think, man, do you remember what they did to Mario? Even if they're completely right, meaning FSG, even if they're handling of the Mario situation is 100% ethical, moral, legal, the whole deal, even if they are. And I, I honestly, I can't rule that out. Okay. I'm not in the boardrooms. I don't have this information. I know only this that 66 is unhappy with them and there apparently is zero effort from FSG. To fix that. That's the only part of this of which I'm certain. What the actual ins and outs are, whatever. Honestly, I don't care that much. I mean, I wouldn't mind knowing. That's kind of the reporter thing. But I don't, I don't care as much about that as the fact that it hasn't yet been fully addressed. This franchise, I'm going to say this. Again, and I apologize for the repeat here. This franchise doesn't exist to be bought if there was no 66. This franchise and 66 are one and the same. It doesn't matter whose name is written on what bottom line. They cannot exist separately in any healthy capacity. And I would say absolutely the same thing to the point that you fairly bring up as it relates to Sid, Gino, Chris Letang. You might as well throw Marc-Andre Fleury in there. These are people who are part of the institution. They're part of what builds the brand up. There's so much that goes into five championships in a span from 1991 to 2017, that is a really, really tight, tight time frame, my friends, for five championships in any major professional sport. It didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen because a couple of different GMs did things this way or that way or whatever. It happened because the winning was passed along. The winning approach, the family approach. The we're better than other teams approach. The things that make John Tortorella turn purple approach. As long as we're going to see torts in the picture today, 
If you lose that, you're starting from scratch. You're an expansion team. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow after Tortorella turns purple again. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.